The material contained in the Divergent Clear podcast is for informational purposes only. The ideas and opinions expressed in the podcast does not represent the views or missions of the National Rail Passenger Corporation or Amtrak or the Washington Metro Rail Safety Commission. This is the Divergent Clear podcast. Approach diverging, milepost 20.04. Diverging clear, milepost 20.06. Welcome to Diverging Clear, your transportation podcast, with your hosts, William Moore and Jermaine Walker. Welcome back to part two of the bonus episode of the Diverging Clear podcast. Me and Jermaine will continue our discussion of the two infrastructure bills that seem to be sitting in purgatory up on Capitol Hill. And although, one, the bipartisan hard infrastructure bill has now been passed by both chambers of Congress, the other one is still sitting up there waiting for its time to shine. And then me and Jermaine will also close out this bonus episode discussing the art and science of derailment investigations. Thank you again for tuning in to the Diverging Clear podcast. Don't forget to click the subscribe and like button on YouTube. And if you're listening to the audio version on Spotify, Apple, Google, oh sorry, Google Play, Anchor, don't forget to subscribe to that also. And now here's the conclusion of the bonus episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, man, I tell you, again, man, it feels good to be back on this, man. But uh, going to this next topic, man, something that is probably near and dear to both of our hearts is the uh, what is in the $1.2 trillion bipartisan bill. Uh, two of the biggest things for us, I would say right off the back, is the $110 billion for roads and bridges. And I would say the $66 billion for railroads. So starting off with the, with the roads and bridges, look, we were both we're both rail guys, but understanding what's important for the roads and bridges, man. You know, we still need our trucks. Those trucks still need to ride on a good inf- on good infrastructure to get like as we talked about earlier, last mile. You know, well they're gonna only get to the last mile if the roads and the bridges are squared away properly. You know right. what I mean? And um, and I know there's been some talk about possibly. Uh, extending some of the size of the trailers for the trucks and things like that. And I don't, I don't think it got much traction, but nonetheless, we need to make sure that the roads are, are well taken care of, um, you know, especially for Pete, those that travel in the work, unfortunately can't take the train. So they carpool and things like that. Um, so that money is important. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't knock it. You know, I mean, again, being a rail guy, I don't, I, I definitely don't knock the money that, the uh, roads and bridges need because we all need that. I mean, in our own neighborhoods, let alone getting around and things like that. So, but going to the the 66 billion for, for railroads, it's vital, especially I think about the money that, that goes towards short lines because short lines can't always fund themselves like the big class ones. You're talking about class twos, class threes and things of that nature. 
um, you know, class ones have no problem funding themselves and reinvesting the money into their own infrastructure. But class twos, class threes can't always do that. And so and so some of that money, I'm sure, will be pretty will be uh, filtered out to them to do like to upgrade their ties, replace rail, um, possibly speed up their core. You know, I don't want to say corridors, but speed up in certain areas, repair some bridges that are that might be um, getting out of disrepair in some states um, that, that needs to be, you know, brought back up to standards and things like that. And, and that's where, and that's where a lot of the money will go into. A lot of that money will go into uh, railroad contractors that are going to be on those properties and helping out with the ties and the rails and doing various, um, doing various jobs to bring that railroad, let's say, bring it up from a, from a 30 mile per hour railroad to maybe a 40 to move goods and commodities along the along the line a lot quicker and, and getting it to its customers and things of that nature. So when people ask about the money, I, I would I would just that's just a small snippet of how they could think about how that money is spent. It, it, it definitely goes to support railroad infrastructure. And the reason why it's important is because some of these smaller railroads only, you know, may have a 15 to 20 mile per hour whole main line. And, and, you know, and if you're getting more customers, you're not going to be efficient at getting them goods and commodities by just, you know, by just having that stretch for like about seven to 10 miles or anything like that. It's just not, you're not going to be able to deliver efficiently all the time like that. And so um, I think this is a good place to start, man, but uh, the floor is open for you, man. Your thoughts, man. All right, a couple of things here that, that, that it's it's some good and it's some bad in this infrastructure. I actually had a, a the privilege of viewing um, a draft copy of the initial bipartisan infrastructure bill. So let's start with the good. As you talked about the the, the roads and bridges, that stuff has to be done. I, don't, I rail fan or rail train tra that has to be done because. The one thing that you that if you haven't uh, a correlation I've drawn to um, job loss, um, and I I, I want to do some more research, but when America's goods stop having an efficient way to travel, that's where a lot of our economic problems started. When you have, um, especially when everybody shifted to just on just in time JIT, that was. Um, uh, initially, you know, put together by Toyota. When we started spending uh, on the roads and even on the, on the railroads, ex exuberant amount of times trying to move good short distances, that's where a lot of our problems came in. So when you start looking at this infrastructure bill, like I said, we can't even look at each different mode of transportation as competition anymore. We shouldn't look at it as competition anymore. It should be looked at as a total system. The system has to be healthy. You can't have in the human body. You can't have you can't have a, a good good lungs, good chest, good good veins, and everything else, and your heart's terrible. Because guess what? It's gonna kill the rest of the body. You can't have. It's the same thing with the transportation network. Which is, which is directly linked to our supply chain network. Every aspect of it needs to be healthy and thriving and, and able to do what it needs to do. Our, our transportation system has been able to do that in the, in the past 
60, 70 years. When we were seeing these big booms and, and, and big jumps in our economy and the constant growth and the different things like that, we were able to move things and move them efficiently. Not, that hasn't been the case here recently. So when you look at the total part of this, of the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, I like where the investment is going. But I'll be honest with you, it still ain't enough. It gets started when we've been deferring maintenance and deferring uh, capacity expansion, deferring research at least for the last 30 to 40 years of having substantial investment, this bill ain't enough. We, it's a start, but when is the next time we're gonna get this? Or is it gonna be another two, three generations? Because that's what it's been. That's what it's always been here. It's always these huge generational gaps in investment. So while they're bickering back and forth about 1.2, 1.8 distance, we've needed this investment for years. So is, is this a one-time investment? Because if it is, we're, we're screwed. If it is, because this needs to be sustainable because when you actually break the prices down, the, the cost down, the one point, uh, let me look at the, the, the number again here. This is, a, this is the big part that everybody's missing. So the bipartisan infrastructure bill is 1.2 trillion over 10 years. That's not 1.7 or uh, 1.2 trillion per year. That's over 10 years. So when you break that down, guess how much that is per year? It's a little over 100 and, uh, over 120 billion a year we're investing in our infrastructure. When we have a backlog of, 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 of maintenance and expansion and stuff, that totals over, uh, over easily over a trillion dollars. So we're talking about over, over 10 years, which means other things are gonna go bad in that 10 year period that we're not even touching right now. So when you break it down that way, everybody, oh, one point, that's a lot of money. Eh, no, it ain't. When you look at what we spend in our defense contracts yearly, that's a lot of money. But when you look at what we spend on our, on, on our actual physical infrastructure, that's a drop in a bucket, literally. So the one thing I'll say is that, yes, it's good that we do have this, but this can't be the end. This can't be the end of it. And I'll say this, and this is this is a couple of things I want to point out that's in here. I've read the like I said, yeah, I'm I'm a nerd, I'm a transportation nerd. I read the dang, read the dang thing. One thing that's good in there, you you brought it up about the short lines and the class twos and the class threes that need that investment in there. Where there's a provision to uh real uh to uh uh redraft the uh, Railroad Rehabilitation Infrastructure Fund to the point where those class ones or class twos, class threes and short lines can actually access money to help with these supply chain issues, meaning like invest in intermodal, invest in, in new ports, invest in infrastructure to help with the supply chain. That's huge because those class twos and class threes, they also deliver last mile uh, uh, products. They deliver the last mile of what we need. So if now you if you got them being able to expand and use this money to help uh, with the environmental impact studies, to help with uh, 
the different studies and environmental assessments to help expand their networks and upgrade their networks to help with this supply chain problem, that's a big part. That's a huge part that's needed. And that's why some of the bad things that's in that bill, that in particular has me supporting it because it takes a different look at what we're doing with railroad uh, rib, the Railroad Rehabilitation Infrastructure Fund. It changes the dynamics of it because it's not just, oh, replace the ties here, get the track speed up from 10 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour. No, we're talking about investing in re, re, uh, redoing this network so that it's more efficient and fluid for the, 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 for the, the, the potential volume that we, that well, not the potential, the volume that we're experiencing right now. Is providing a long-term solution and a long-term funding source. That's good. That's one of the goods in it. Another goods in it is is help. It's part of the, what we the topic we touched on of expanding Amtrak, the national network, the inner city network. That's part of this. That's good. But once uh, once again, when you distribute all that about all of the needs that we have, based upon 120 billion a year, it's not enough. And then part of this also is taking, and I know you guys experience this on the East Coast, because we've done it here in the Midwest too, is privatizing public infrastructure. So we're talking about public roads right now that will be privatized and you charge the user fee, basically a toll to use it. That's part of this bill. So we're talking about stuff that's public, public as, as assets, public, um, uh, public transportation systems, and privatizing them so that they can make a profit off of it, which I don't agree with. Like, if if they're building a fresh highway, that's theirs. Okay, that's they they built it. They can they can they can charge and do what they want, see fit with it. But for you to take a, a private road or public road and now make it private and they're reaping all the benefits of it, that's not fair. And that's what's in this bill. So there's some good aspects of it, but there's also some aspects of it that I just uh I just too much I, I'm not in favor of, but it's worth it's worth we have to do something. But don't get it twisted. This ain't the, the, the 1.2 trillion. And what we're haggling over, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. This bill and the reconciliation bill should have been passed two months ago. But yet and still, we're paying, we're paying that they're painting this picture that oh, it's the cost, it's the cost. No, it ain't. The cost ain't that big, to be honest with you. The cost isn't enough at all. So when I look at it, so we have to, like I said, this is the, the new way of thinking. We have to look at it as a system. The railroads, the roads, the airports, the ports, all of that is our transportation system. We have to invest in those to make it healthy because in that process, we're also going to create jobs and we're also going to increase the, 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 the flow of, of goods and, and services throughout our country. So one point everybody's stuck on a trillion. It's a trillion, it's a trillion. That trillion ain't a lot because over 10 years, you're talking about 120 billion additional dollars being added to, to infrastructure 
and transportation needs when we're when we're when we're so far behind in the state of good repair and updating our systems. It, it, it makes no sense. So that's my take on on the on the on the bipartisan bill. We need it. It has some good things in it, but don't get it twisted. That's not enough. It really should be more. It should have been more. But I digress, and I, I, that's that's my take on the bipartisan bill. Your points are duly noted, especially uh, especially the it doesn't go far enough, and and um, and, and I and I and you're right. Um, breaking it down the way you have, it doesn't go far enough. It started out a little bit more than what it actually is now, but I mean, of course, you got you know some people who just, as you said, like you said, man, just, just think that it's, it's, it's too much, but I'm like, we haven't invested in our infrastructure properly and God knows how long. And, and it's embarrassing, quite frankly. It's, it's very embarrassing. It's pretty, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, and, um, and going back to the short lines and, you know, the class twos, class threes, I mean, they're the small businesses of the railroad, which, which I mean, they do a lot of the they do a lot of the grunt work that the class ones don't do, mm-hmm. um, and so that partnership there with them and the class ones, and then, but also making sure that their infrastructure is is, square, is is squared away, and um, and like you said, getting that last mile, getting to the last mile, so the mom and pop shops, um, and things like that, that's uh, very important, um, as well. So I appreciate the points that you brought up, man, and. Uh, Again, man, you nailed it, man. Um, it, this is needed, like you said. Um, but, you know, still, you know, if we're just doing it for now and then taking and taking our hands off the button, then, I mean, we're we're going to find ourselves in a, in a very in a very bad situation. I mean, uh, later down the road. And then the other thing that you mentioned about the private privatization of um, public roads. I don't like it neither. But um, the thing I'm thinking of is just like the, the it's got to get paid for um, if the if the infrastructure starts falling apart again, and you can't you you can't rely on a state or depending on where you are you you can't re- you know you're gonna be waiting for another infrastructure bill. And, and see the thing is is that a lot of people don't realize is that the state funding actually comes from the feds. The feds gives them the money. And then they decide on how they're going to invest in it. Yep. But the problem has been is that it's been so hit. It's been no blanket investment. Like mm-hmm. literally, we like uh, the state of Indiana. We had a surplus, which they in turn used uh, to invest in different infrastructure. But a big part of that, their their surplus came from privatizing the Indiana toll road. Mm-hmm. So they took that money, put it into the state general purpose general fund, and then. Uh, they they basically bailed or Indiana has a good coffee, but they sold the toll road and or at least the toll road out in order to do that. So Indiana have been able to do different things that they did need federal money for because they had this coffer. But the area, but what what it did was is it distributed the wealth throughout the state of Indiana. But the people of Northwest Indiana are paying the bulk of that lease. You see what I'm saying? So we, the Indiana toll road only goes from the, the, the Illinois state line to the Ohio state line. 
the the vast majority of the users are between, let's say, uh, Laporte County, Indiana, and Lake County, Indiana. So we're paying a, the, the majority of the usage fees while the rest of the state is enjoying the the, the profits off of the, when they the, the the money that they receive when they leased it out. Mm-hmm. So how is that fair to us? Like I have to take that toll road every day. I, I get hit by two pieces of public infrastructure that's now privatized: the Indiana Toll Road and the Chicago Skyway. For my my time on the let's see, is it seven miles on the Skyway? About fifteen miles on the Indiana Toll Road to where I get off, where I join the Skyway. So looking at about twenty-four miles. It costs me $9.55 every day. You multiply that by five days a week. I'm paying almost 50 bucks a week in tolls. That's not including gas. That's not including. So that's not fair because what about low aid? Like I'm I'm blessed. I don't have I'm I'm I have a pretty decent job. So mm-hmm. it, it yeah, does it suck that I'm paying that much? Yes, it does. But think about other people that don't. That, that may not be making or bringing home as much money. And that much more of their income, disposable income is being used for user fees going to private entities. So that's the way I look at it. I look at it from a big picture point of it because when you look at it, who's who, who who's bearing the brunt of those, uh, of, the, of, the, of the usage fees? It ain't the corporations. No. It ain't the people that's, it ain't Amazon. It's not. It's not. It's not Costco. It's not Walmart. It's the individual residents of that area. Mm-hmm. I know. I was watching something on uh, one of the shows. I watched the Young Turks, and they were talking about how in uh, I think it was Newport News, Virginia, where they privatized the tunnels, and the the one woman said she had to move because the cost of for her to commute, she was losing. Like it. It, it was, and that was the only way she. That was the only option she had. And I have several options to get in the city. Two out of the three of them are terrible. Mm-hmm. The best one is the one that I got to pay the money for. I can do that, but not everybody can. So when you look, so when you look at the privatization, that's our tax money has already paid for those for those assets. And then now we got to go back and repay a private company for it. I don't I, I don't agree with that. Now I said if a private company builds an expressway. And they and they that's their money. That's fine, but to to take a, a asset that we've paid our taxpayer monies for and maintenance for over the past however many years I've been a taxpayer, but it goes back. But and then it just being basically sold from under you, and then you got to pay to use it. Uh, that that don't work well. They they did a couple of things they talked about in Australia where. They had did this, a similar thing. They, they stopped it after two years because they saw where the wealth, it was a, basically a wealth redistribution mm. of, of, of making the lower income people pay more to use an asset that was already theirs. And they basically were taking a, a, a good chunk of their money and giving it to a private company. And so, and then the, the thing is, is that once they get a, get a hold of that asset, they can do what they want with it. They can decide to let the thing have potholes all they want. They can let they can decide, you know, those are different things that they can, everything that they make, every decision that they make is money driven to try to maximize their profit. So they so like they leased the Indiana Toll Road 
I believe it was about $1.8 or close to $2 billion they leased it for, for 99 years. It's a good, yeah, it's a good cash influx at the beginning to get money up front. That was similar to what the, the city of Chicago did with the Chicago Skyway. They leased it for to get a good influx of money right away. But not too long after that, the company is, is just making a killing. And that asset is now gone. And that money is more than likely gone. So it's like upfront costs, you know, short time, short time benefits for long time pain. I, I guess that's the epitome of all of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it it doesn't it it doesn't. And I said, I, it's a couple articles they did on uh, on the Young Turks uh, Jacobin, and they were discussing these issues, and I, it opened my eyes to a lot of it because. I knew it was something that wasn't quite right, but when they actually got down into the numbers, the the, the, the private, uh, and I forgot what they call it now, because they don't call it, they call it uh, asset reallocation. Mm-hmm. So they just changed the marketing name of it. <laughs> Basically selling the private, the public, public infrastructure to private companies. And so when you look at that stuff, like I said, that's one aspect of the bill I don't like. But the other parts, I think I'll weigh that. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt either way. Because one, we don't know if these things are even going to pass yet either. They, they're still sitting up on the hill. What was it, the old school uh, uh, schoolhouse rock song of just the bill sitting up on Capitol Hill? Yep. These damn bills were sitting up on Capitol Hill since... Uh, too long. But I'm going to make a prediction. They're going to get passed, but that reconciliation bill is only going to be about $1.7 trillion. That's my prediction. It's going to be, a, they'll, they'll do their political theater, they'll jockey back and forth, and then it'll be signed, but it'll be worth about $1.7 trillion, down from the original $3.5 trillion. It'll be accident half. And at the end of the day, for, for that portion of it, the human infrastructure, a lot of people got to understand, daycare and elderly care is essential if you want people in the workforce, in the labor force. You can't go to work if you, if you, if you can't have daycare. I remember when my, when my daughters were young, their daycare was almost it was was I think two hundred dollars cheaper than what our mortgage was, so essentially we were paying two mortgage payments for daycare while I went to work at the railroad. My wife went to work at the at the hospital. That's tough. So how can you expect people after this pandemic to go back to work when you don't have the infrastructure, the human aspect of the infrastructure to help people be able to return to the labor market? Because it's 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 not it's that stuff. That's why when in our notes I put in there, we need both. You gotta have both. There's no way you can do we can do what we're trying to do without the social safety net for families to be able to take care of their children, be able to take care of themselves or their elderly parents. Like we have to do that. And 
at this point in time with the, the way this thing is just sitting, man, it's just, it's really irritating because it's common sense. But we got a couple people in Congress, congressing, and, you know, that's, that's holding everything up. Which goes, like I said, we're talking about the reconciliation bill. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, you to steal your turn from you, man. Congress is going to Congress, you know, at the at the end of the day. Um, but my, and on the shorter side, I would just say I, I think eventually, <clears throat> I think it will get passed. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm in all honesty, I just hate politics. Honestly, um, I, I just. I just feel like it's, it's very easy to see what the needs are of the people that you serve. And I don't, I don't see why we don't just try and meet their needs. Give Not everybody's going to have what they want. We get that. Not everybody's going to agree, but we can agree to disagree that, Hey, you know, you're not going to get everything you ask for. I'm not going to get everything I ask for. At the end of the day, did we do right by the people? And, and I think that's what matters most. Honestly, you know, Agreed. honestly, I just, I just wish, you know, I, I hate politics in this country so much. Um, and I, I hate that we put our trust in these people sometimes to make the best decisions for us and they swing and miss like, you know, half of the time. So, but, um, Again, fingers crossed that, you know. He gave you know, him a lot more credit because you only said half the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's a new with me. So I came back a little bit more, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I came back with a little bit more, a little bit more hopeful, if you will. Gotcha. We'll go, we'll go with that. I'm about to say about 90% of the time. That's a different story. Oh. <laughs> But no, no, to your point, like when I talk about all of this stuff with the transportation and logistics and supply chain, like to me, my way of looking at it is that we do this stuff the right way. It benefits the people. It benefits the people of this country because we, we, have, the, we have the capability to make this country better for everyone. We're just choosing not to. And it's not, we're not choosing not to, it's a select few are choosing not to. So to your point with, with the politics, I'm not gonna say I, I dislike politics. It's a necessary, it's a necessary to get things done. But what I dislike about it is that we're not getting anything done. And we have not been getting anything done for the better part of my life. And I just turned 41. So as, the last time I saw something done, actually physically get done, I don't have a memory of that. And I've, I said, I'm, I'm a nerd. I've, I've, I've used watching and reading newspapers when I was six years old, trying to figure out, well, why would they do this? And why didn't they do that? Because it fascinated me because it's like, it should be clear and cut dry at this age. You know, I, you can see, I can figure that like, this doesn't make any sense. Why are we choosing not to do this when we have the means to do it? We do it in this situation, but we won't do it in that situation. 
Like, that's the whole thing. And that's, I think that's the whole thing that's driving me crazy because it's clear as day that this needs to be done. Trump tried numerous times to, I don't know if it was lack of focus or what, but he talked about infrastructure, but it was only during infrastructure week. And so infrastructure week got started, but it never finished. So we never got nothing during that, during that time, during the Obama administration. There was states that sent money back saying that they didn't want to sh shoulder the cost or kind of throwing their nose at Obama because he was sending their states money for high-speed rail and different stuff like that, upgrading rail. And so we went through eight years of Obama of not doing anything for infrastructure, where it was on the table at the start. But by the end of the, by, by the end of his two terms, it was gone. Then you go back to George W. Bush. We was fighting a war. We had 9-11, and then after that, we was in a war for eight years. Actually, longer than that, but we didn't do anything with infrastructure. We didn't do anything with making people's lives better here. So, that's, that, so that takes us back now to 2000, during Bill Clinton's years. We got a little bit of money for Amtrak. That's when they finally built the Superliner 2s, the Viewliner Sleepers, um, got the P-42 locomotives. That was it. What major infrastructure did we do? Well, I guess I could say sprinkled in among these different time periods that the ports were upgraded to an extent, but nothing major, nothing shocking the world type investment. Then you go before Clinton, the first, first George Bush, man, nothing. Matter of fact, they did a lot to kill Amtrak. They did a lot to kill our inner city rail service, where the state supported services now, that was all Amtrak originally. That was all Amtrak, but then they put this caveat in there about this uh, less than 750 miles would have to be state supported service. And that took the federal dollars out of it. Then they said, well, we'll give that money to the states and the states decide what they're gonna do with it. When they did that, that was in, in, the, in the early nineties. Between 88 and 92, they did that. That, that was, that, that was uh, implemented. We lost so much passenger capacity because of that. So now, so well, we're at 88 now. 88 to 80, when I was born, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing of significance. During the Reagan era, Reaganomics, nothing was done infrastructure-wise. Nothing, nothing to where the interstate systems were built. They were starting to come due for their upgrades, updates, maintenance. Nothing. The gas tax or whatever to fund, to fund infrastructure, that was nowhere near. That was a drop in the bucket. So when you look at all of these different things, when I talk about in my lifetime, we haven't seen anything significant. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you had a few projects here and there, but nothing that catapulted America to the forefront of the world in transportation. 
You've been slowly and slowly sliding and sliding and sliding and to the point where we don't even we have a stretch of of, of high speed trackage that connects DC to Boston, but in the grand scheme of things, that ain't that's not enough. And, and guess when that was built? That was built in the in the Pennsylvania Railroad days of the early 1900s. And it was updated as part of um, as part of the, uh, when the Interstate Commerce Commission created Amtrak. Part of that—that that was the last time it was really significantly updated. So we can't be going decades without updates if we want to be at the forefront of the world. Because right now China's kicking our ass. Excuse my language. Germany, the EU, places in Africa. Everybody is kicking our butts in investment. And we're still putting along here talking about we're the greatest country in the world, but we're not, we're not showing it by our investment, the way we're investing. So when it comes to politics, I've seen what our politics has done over the last 40 years. And if this is the way we're going to continue for the next 40 years, we may, as well, we may as well go back to horse and carriages because they'll probably be more efficient because our roads will be crumpled enough that that'll be the only thing that'll be able to travel down. But I digress. That's my rant. I'm done. Appreciate that, man. Um, last but not least, man, we were going to dive into a little bit of the realms and investigations, man. We had some significant um derailments uh this past year um um and, and i'm i'm sure there's a few people who would love to know and understand how that that sort of investigation stuff type works uh what the investigators look for and and know, and know certain details man so we'll finish out with that man um so with your with your background jermaine what do you see um, not getting into specific details or anything, but uh, what have you seen, like from from some of these investigations over the let's just say over the last couple of years, and some of the processes that you've seen? Sure. Um, so it's it's almost it's almost like when a derailment happens, the investigators break it down into categories, right? So. Um, the first thing you look at, well, one of the things you look at is human factors. You know, was this operator alert? Were they responding to the various cab signal apparatuses, bells and whistles and things that were going off? Then you look at the territory that it's running on, like what, what's in effect on this territory? And was the, was the um, train and the operator um, doing, you know, everything that they were supposed to be doing when they were supposed to be doing it. Was this train moving at the speed it was supposed to be moving at, or was it, you know, or was it going over that? Um, so they look at that from the operations and human factors type of, type of standpoint. Um, you know, was the operator alert? Was the operator, um, they'll do drug testing on the operator, make sure the operator have nothing in their system that they didn't have to. Um, does the operator wear glasses? Were they wearing their glasses? Do they wear contacts? Were they wearing their contacts? Um, you know, all that, all that small stuff. Did they have any 
health issues, like do they have sleep apnea, narcolepsy, anything like that, that will cause them to not be alert for a specific amount of time throughout, throughout the run. Um, if there's a conductor on that particular train, um, you know, cause not all, all systems are the same, you know, was the, did they notice anything, you know, it, and it, it, and not to take a, not to take a, a left, a left turn, if you will, but not long ago was the recent anniversary of one of the worst derailments in New York city transit history was when, um, a number four train derailed outside of, um, I believe it was Grand Central Station on 42nd Street, and um, and the operator was drunk. Um, and um, look, uh, I, I can't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I remember all the details, um, but I know that I know even right now, not even living, still living in New York. Um, but I know just from the the many times that I've taken the four train in the Grand Central, there's a huge curve. Um, and, and the speeds is real slow going in. Um, but this operator, um, I think, I think he was going well over 50 miles per hour or so, Jeez. something like that. And he split, matter of fact, if, when you ever get a chance to look up the footage, he split, he split the, uh, one of the cars in half, if not the first three or four cars in half, because the, um, the beams that, that, um, you know, that support the tunnel, he, he was just knocking them down. Like it, it was, it was not, and how he survived, I have no idea, but you know, he's, you, he's you on the right ride. side. He's, he's on the right side of a beam, man. So it, it was pretty rough, man. And so, and, but I say that to say is like, you know, you make it sure that, you know, the operators don't have any alcohol in a system or anything like that. And, the conductor, and I brought up the conductor piece because the conductor said um, at the time said that, you know, yeah, he seemed a bit off. Well, you know, like, and, and I understand people, you know, don't want to take, you don't want nobody's job to be in jeopardy, but those are important factors. You, you have to know that, hey, you don't seem right today. I don't think you should be behind a throttle. You know what I mean? Um, but be that as it may, they look at factors like that. They go to the signal system. They make sure the signal system is operating the way it was supposed to. How was it operating at that time? What was the weather conditions? Could the weather have caused it to, you know, those sort of things, man. How about the track? Is the track, um, when's the last time work has been done? When's the last time, if it's a switch, when's the last time the switch was inspected? When was the last time the, the timbers and the, and the track ties surrounding the uh, switch have been um, taken care of and things like that. And of course, you know, they'll pull a camera footage, black, um, black box data and things like that and gather up the facts. Um, they'll, they'll request different documents from the different departments, you know, and analyze that data besides just analyzing the data from the train itself and eyewitnesses account. So um, it don't sound like a lot, you know, if it, you know, it don't sound like a lot, yeah, but, but I promise you, it's a, it's a very, it's a very detailed process. And the reason why a lot of times you hear, you don't get many details is because there's so many, there's so many areas of things that could have contributed to a specific derailment. And you, you have to, you have to just really, you know, go department by department, honestly, and, and, and gather all the facts, you know, and, 
and you may stumble upon something that doesn't that doesn't seem right, um, but might have not played a big role or a role at all in the derailment. But because let's say like a couple of inspections were missed on something, you know, you know, now they got now 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 it, it, it triggers something, and now you gotta go, you know, you gotta go hunting. Right. Um, so it, it's you know. Again, so many contributing factors to to a to a derailment, and and um, and that's why a lot of people, you know, oh, I want answers, yeah, but I mean, it just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. But but you but you can you can set when you when you start getting the documents and they take measurements on site and everything like that, um, you you definitely start to get the sense of where the focus need to be on. Sometimes you can look at a derailment and you. And you know, you you know exactly. I don't want to say you know exactly what happened, but you you just like, mm, yeah, I can I, I can see. I I kind of think I know what happened here. Um, yeah. You know, I I wish I could give you some examples on, on certain things, but I I, I can't. Mm -hmm. Um. But but I'll just say that yeah, man. You you know, there are certain things. There are certain derailments when they happen. You kind of have an idea of. Um, what might have happened you don't assume but you're just in the back of your mind sometimes yeah you, you, gotta, you, to, gotta, uh, you gotta start with a theory yeah exactly you <laughs> exactly a working theory is just hey it might not be right but i mean it's just based on what you've what you've heard or saw you like hmm, i wonder you know and then the pieces usually start coming together pretty pretty soon after so you know, um, but that's usually that's usually how I go. That's usually how it goes, man. I mean, that I don't want to say it's fun. It's a fun part of the. It's a fun part of the pro um, the process, but it's interesting because that which with, with every with everyone, you just like, man, how can what can we do better? You know, what can be done better to make to really make sure that this doesn't you know that this doesn't happen again? You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Now that, that, that makes uh <coughs> sorry, excuse me, don't got scratching. Oh no, that makes sense. I mean, uh, we've had a couple, uh I've I've witnessed a couple and you know different things like that, but you talk about that process. That process is crucial because they don't want to leave any questions unanswered. Mm -hmm. And it has to be it has to be very thorough, it has to be very complete, it has to be very concise. Yep. And you can't, uh, I mean, it's because the big thing out of the investigation, and I think a lot of people don't realize is that what, you, what you're trying to find out is what went wrong and how can we avoid this from happening again? Mm -hmm. Which is why everything is going through with a, with a fine tooth comb because um, it's important that you, that, that you understand what happened and why it happened. That way you can figure out, okay, if this is if these were contributing factors, how do we mitigate those? Right. So that's to your point, that's I I I completely understand where you're going with that and what the importance of it and, and understanding that you you have to let the, let them take their time because there's a lot of information and data and, and variables that's being considered when when these investigations are are, are taking place. And, um... I mean, the simplest things like prescription pills, man. I mean, like it, it's just, it is so detailed, man. And, and you just, you know, man, you, you, 
you know, I think as a, as the ride in public, uh, you, you just like, you know, you, 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 you pray that that never happens to you or anything like that. You, you know, you, but I, I would just, you know, I think, I think whenever people can, they, you know, like I do when I fly, I, I look at the pilots when they're about to get on. I just, I just give them a good look and, you know, make sure they look, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm no, telling you, like, like people, are, pilot, people are, people are human. Yeah. But these guys are that, that, that get women and men and women that, that fly planes, that drive trains, that, you know, these, they're human too. And they, they deal with a lot of things too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, to your point, it's like, yeah, I observe the pilot. Yeah, I understand why. Because when you, when you, when you, like I said, everybody thinks it's just this cut and dry thing. No, these are human people too. And they have different things going on and they have different ways that they deal with things. We hope that it's not something that's going to cause them to, you know, jeopardize their job or jeopardize the people that they're, that they're providing a the service for. But hmm. it, it can happen. It can, it definitely can happen. I tell you, I think um, when I look at a lot of old, um, old NTSB cases, um, you know, I'm tell you, man, you'll you'll definitely find a lot of error on a lot on the parts of pilots. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's scary, you know, because like you're like, man, yo, bro, we we like you know, 30,000 plus feet in the sky and stuff like that, man, you can't afford to make a mistake up there. No, not at all. It, it happens, man. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, people would be surprised how many times, you know, there have been mistakes, man. But, you know, I, you know, at least for my part and and, and my little area, uh, I just, you know, uh, I, I'm always looking for ways that, you know, where mistakes can happen and try to, you know, mitigate or, or, you know, plug those leaks, if you will, if, you know, see something that just may leave a little bit of a gray area. Like we always talk about cut and dry and, and the gray area, but a lot of these aspects should not have a gray area at all. But as you and I have both observed, you go up and down some operational practices and and stuff like that you'll you i mean some stuff is, is really left up 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 till uh up to interpretation man and you know he's just like wow that's not how i would do it but you know but anyway man yeah yeah that's 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 um you know that's how it's done man that's that's part of the process right there and it's interesting man it's it's not fun but it's, it's just interesting because it's so detailed you know, and um, I don't I don't think a lot of people like really know that much about what goes into it. No, you're you're correct. It's it's a uh, it's said it's a very thorough process. And it's uh, people want answers there. You know, oh, you got cameras, you got this, you got that. But, yeah, you have to pull that. That data has to be properly vetted, has to be properly pulled. And it takes it takes a lot of. Uh, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of a lot of detail, like I said, to make sure that the conclusion that they draw is accurate, and then they can come up with recommendations on how to prevent this incident from happening again. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, and this is the unfortunate thing, when we talk about railroad rule books, as the old saying, the railroad rule books are written in blood. Yeah, and it's only and rules are created as a result of an incident that 
you know, either caused a fatality or caused injuries or caused major property damage. So when you say that, it's not to be harsh, but it's to be real. Mm-hmm. And so when they when they're going through these different processes, we're they're trying to make sure that a we can mitigate this so it's not this so there's no blood shed as a result of this. And two, if there was, to make sure this isn't repeated and it happens again. Yep. So yeah, that's but that's a that's a very, very good uh aspect, a very good take on uh on the derailments and derailment investigations, man. I really appreciate that insight there, brother. Not a problem, man. Not a, not a problem. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, keeping a, it's a, it's a privilege, man, and honor to be able to have a, have a role in keeping people safe and, um, you know, having an impact and just being able to have a positive impact you know, to make, to make sure that people have safe transportation traveling to and from, man, so. Roger, you got any closing thoughts there, brother, as we wrap up this episode? Uh, I'll just say, man, again, and I, and I probably said this like a hundred times, so. <laughs> no, it's no, all good, brother. It, it feels, it feels great to be back. Um, it feels, feels great to be back um, doing this, man. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say that, man, you know, I love this industry, um, you know, not, and not just the rail side. I mean, I had the great opportunity and during this time off, man, to really talk with a lot of, a lot of truckers, those in the industry that are just, you know, talking about some of their struggles, but also talking about their impact on this, on this transportation industry, man. And it's, it was tremendous, man. Very enlightening. And, um, you know, working on some projects. Um, and I, you know, I really look forward to getting some, some things off the ground. Um, not even next year, but immediately. Um, and yo, man, I look, I look forward to us getting back on this mic and doing this again, man. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. This is, this is a lot to cover. Yeah. This, this is so much fun. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad we, uh, glad you kind of, uh, put it on my heart to just be hey, man, let's do a, let's do another episode. I'm like, Man, I just did the season finale, but yeah. you saw it was no push. Right? I was like, "All right, let's do it." Yeah, oh yeah, no doubt, man, no <laughs> doubt, man. I, that that peer pressure is a mug, bro. I, I was going, <laughs> I was going to keep bugging you, bro. Yeah, uh, you, you, you didn't, you didn't have to, you, you didn't have to put peer pressure at all on it. It was just, uh, <laughs> but you, you know, I said, it, just the way our our everything is lined up, yo. Like I said, I, I held the podcast down as, as long, but like you always knew it was an open invitation. And we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep building this, man, because we got it's some stuff like so this in our way. This this is a different way to talk about the, the policies, the, the the actions, the different the news, the, the different ways to cover it, because um, there's a community out there for that, that 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 actually likes this. I don't know if we found it yet, but I'm pretty sure we will. Maybe they'll find us. But um, I just the one thing I just want to say is, man, I appreciate the time and effort that you've uh, that you put in because it's even even when you weren't appearing on episodes, we would discuss and I would we would shoot stuff back and forth about what would, what the upcoming topics were. And like I said, man, this is he said this is this is season one, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this because it's 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 a lot of information out here, man. That needs to be that needs to get out, and uh, just so people understand how these different these things affect everybody's 
uh, lives and, and aspects of their lives and the quality of lives. You know, a lot of these policies and different things that we discuss, this affects everyday people. They don't realize it, but it does. So, you know, we're going to keep bringing this content. We're going to keep uh, keep looking forward to doing this. The one thing uh, I do want to say, let me put my little, uh, my little plug here real quick. Uh, my closing shot, as to, uh, per se. But I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Divergent Clear podcast. Don't forget to click the subscribe and like button on YouTube. And if you're listening to the audio version on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Anchor, uh, don't forget to subscribe to that also. You can also send us comments or feedback to the Divergent Clear podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Divergent Clear One, Instagram at Divergent underscore Clear underscore podcast, and on Facebook. Just had to get those plugs in there. Make sure everybody know where to find us at. Because even though we may not be doing episodes, we, we still putting content and posting different things on there. And like I said, man, if you got any questions, comments, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us on any of those platforms. We're going to keep trying to grow this, do something nice, man. It's just, uh, for us, transportation and, and even, you know, even get into the political side of things. Because a lot of these, uh, a lot of the things that take place are politically driven. So, you know, we just need to get this information out here, uh, discuss different things, discuss different ideas. And that's that's what we're going to continue to do. I said, I appreciate your time and uh, everything there, Brother Jermaine. You know, we'll be chopping it up here soon again, probably much sooner than later, <laughs> as usual. But uh, once again, I appreciate you uh, putting this idea out here for this uh, bonus episode, man. I think we... We touched on a lot of good things and touched on a lot of good areas, man. And man, I said once again, appreciate your effort and, and all everything you bring to the table, bro. Good job, man. I look forward to next time, man. Appreciate you. All right, uh, that's gotta wrap up this bonus episode. We'll uh keep you posted on the updates from when we kick off season two, trying to decide on the time frame for that. But uh once again, thank you for tuning in to the Divergent Clear Podcast. Uh you guys stay safe out there. Stay masked up. Even though you're vaccinated, keep that mask on. We're trying to get out this that goddamn pandemic so we can uh, continue to enjoy our lives. And uh, so everybody stay safe out there. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you again. Divergent Clear is sponsored by EME Rail Solutions, LLC. We don't own rail cars, locomotives, or tracks, but if you do, we provide cutting-edge solutions to maximize your assets. Visit us at emerail.net to learn more. Divergent Clear is also brought to you by Three Kings Freight Brokerage, LLC. Visit Three Brokerage LLC.com to learn more about their services.